UAB MedCast is an ongoing medical education podcast. The UAB Division of Continuing Education designates that each episode of this enduring material is worth a maximum of 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. To collect credit, please visit uabmedicine.org slash medcast and complete the episode's post-test. Welcome to UAB MedCast, a continuing education podcast for medical professionals. Bringing knowledge to your world. Here's Melanie Cole. This is the UAB Medicine Podcast on COVID-19, dated April 20th, 2020. Welcome to UAB MedCast. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're discussing best practices relating to anesthesia, intubation, and airway management during COVID-19. Joining me is Dr. Teresa Northern. She's an assistant professor in anesthesiology at UAB Medicine. Dr. Northern, it's such a pleasure to have you join us today. What are you seeing as far as anesthesia, intubation, and airway management as it relates to COVID-19? How are you and your team managing at this point? It has certainly changed the way we practice. is very different now. Initially, determining a patient's COVID-19 status is additional vital sign practically so that it determines kind of what we do as far as anesthesia. How we've kind of prepared for this as far as anesthesia goes, our department has been very proactive in acquiring PPE, personal protective equipment to protect both the patients as well as all of our healthcare workers, as well as analyzing national data to determine best practices, how it is the best, safest way to do that. So then tell us some of the best practices and recommendations for safe anesthesia care of COVID-19 patients. For a large part, we're doing the same things that we've always done in anesthesia. However, how we do them and where we do them is often different depending on a patient's COVID-19 status. If a patient is COVID-19 positive, then we utilize a negative pressure room for the intubation, which is different than what our pre-COVID-19 days were where you would intubate just in the operating room. So we are utilizing negative pressure rooms, which are typically found in the recovery room. Some of the ICU beds have them available. We've also been very strongly using video laryngoscopy to allow for greater distance from the patient and the anesthesia personnel performing the intubation. And we've developed a number of checklists and videos of donning and doffing personal protective equipment, which are all some things that are different than what we're typical of of doing. So are you using N95s and full PPE when working, even if you don't know their COVID-19 status for all procedures now? Multiple agencies, including the ASA, the American Society of Anesthesiologists, have recommended treating all patients as if they are an asymptomatic COVID-positive patient. Given that, it's been our department policy to all of our providers when performing intubations, which are high-risk procedures, to wear an N95 mask and a face shield. Fortunately, in addition to having an, an adequate supply of personal protective equipment at UAB, we've also had a very robust testing in place. So it's much less likely that we don't know a patient's COVID-19 status because the vast majority of our patients are being tested. So then what about asymptomatic carriers, Dr. Northern? As far as intubating and extubating patients, do those current guidelines reflect the transmission risks from asymptomatic individuals? If a patient is COVID-19 positive, then you're doing all the stops, you're using all of your PPE, but in scenarios where it's unknown, there's this large gray area that is something that we've had to sort of develop how we're going to treat those patients. We've developed an algorithm 
which this scenario of having a gray area of not knowing a patient's status predominantly comes up in emergency surgery because all of our patients are being tested preoperatively in patients and outpatients for surgery. So when they don't have a test, it's typically in a trauma environment. For that scenario, the trauma department has been very aggressive in sort of terms of testing. Patients who come in who are unresponsive are deemed to be COVID positive until proven otherwise by laboratory data. So that entails full wearing PPE, negative pressure room, doing everything to keep the patient and the rest of the healthcare workers safe. For a patient who comes in and is responsive, comes in talking, is able to give you a history, we utilize screening questions of if they've had fever, cough, or been around sick contacts. If they don't have any of those criteria, then they potentially will be not become a person under investigation of PUI. However, if there's any concern, we have a very low threshold for converting someone in an unknown status to become a PUI until their lab results are finalized, which I think makes a big difference. Fortunately, we have such a good testing system in place, as well as the fact that being able to have the PPE to be able to make these decisions, to have a low threshold to convert someone to a PUI is the benefit that that relays to the rest of the healthcare workers on that team that they know everybody feels safe, I think is that benefit is tremendous. Well, it certainly is. And have you discussed at all purposing anesthesia machines as ICU ventilators or placing multiple patients on a single mechanical ventilator? Has any of this been looked at or discussed? Yeah, we certainly discussed it, especially initially when all of this was breaking and we were coming up with lots of different potential scenarios of things that may happen and how we can best mitigate those problems. We've discussed using the anesthesia machine as ICU ventilators. This, however, is not without its own risk. Ventilators on anesthesia machines are not designed for the prolonged use that your ICU patients have. Typically in anesthesia, that ventilator may be used even for a long case, maybe most of the day. The manufacturers of anesthesia machines recommend doing daily checks on that, which is something that I think is difficult to do. The ventilators themselves don't have all of the additional features such as APRV or you can't deliver as high of a PEEP as you would on an ICU ventilator. So I think that it would probably be better utilized to help offset the COVID population, not necessarily for COVID patients, but other patients who maybe aren't anticipated to be intubated quite as long. Fortunately, at UAB, I don't think our projection is going to require using anesthesia machines as ventilators. To answer your question regarding using multiple patients on a single ventilator, this was something that initially I was very excited about just because my own interest in global anesthesia and adapting in low-resource environments, I was very curious about this. However, the ASA came down with a pretty strong statement against it in conjunction with a joint statement with the Society of Critical Care Medicine and CHEST that doesn't recommend it. Certainly, the manufacturers don't recommend using. It's not something that's been done. It has apparently been done after the Las Vegas mass shooting at a concert. However, I think it's difficult to extrapolate that patient population, young, otherwise healthy trauma patients with normal lungs versus a patient who's been diagnosed with COVID-19 who may have profound hypoxemia 
I think using one ventilator for multiple patients would provide a lot of challenges in terms of you'd have to assure that each patient has similar compliance, which is something that is difficult to do from the outset. Um, logistically speaking, I think it's just difficult to house patients that sort of close in proximity. If any of the patients were to decompensate, I think it opens up a whole host of problems as far as how you're able to troubleshoot and take care of one patient without jeopardizing another. There's been a lot of innovation with COVID-19 as a result of it. It's something that in the future possibly can be manufactured to be regulated. But at this time, unfortunately, at UAB, given our robust testing and the way that our numbers have been going, it doesn't look like this is something that we are would even have to entertain. Well, that makes so much sense. Dr. Northern, the decision to intubate in normal situations can really be obvious, and it requires not that much deliberation. It's a decision that is made at the discretion of treating physicians, But in patients with acute respiratory failure due to COVID-19, is it more challenging when you're deciding whether to proceed with intubation or invasive ventilation? So this is a question that is probably the critical care doctors and anesthesiologists are the ones who have been charged with having to make this decision. I would defer to them for their expertise in this area. However, I can tell you from the background of the data that initially the decision was every recommendation was early intubation to avoid a emergent situation because of the necessity of having the time it takes to don PPE and having all of your equipment available, that the recommendation was early intubation. However, it seems like that has shifted a little bit in that typically in the ICU, in the hospital, intubation is not the sort of first step that we go to, but because there was some wariness to use other modes of assisted ventilation such as BiPAP or CPAP because of the risk of aerosolizing and thereby increasing your risk of transmission to other people, those have initially were avoided. However, they are finding that some places are needing to do that. In part, I think it really depends on the resources available so that I think that, unfortunately, it's not the same decision depending on the resources. You have to work with the resources that you have. But again, I have not been charged with having to make that decision about whether a person gets intubated right away or not or who gets intubated when. I think the the critical error doctors have really been on the front lines of that decision. As we wrap up, how are you and your team evolving care for your patients during this pandemic? What would you like other providers and anesthesiologists to know about these best practices that we've been discussing relating to anesthesia and intubation and airway management during COVID-19? Using the word evolving is key because the landscape has just changed tremendously throughout this. So I think it's important for people to realize that this is an evolving process and the things which is obvious and apparent because that's how our life is being dictated these days. Utilizing telehealth in our preoperative assessment clinic, they see upwards of 85% of our surgical patients. So they've been instrumental in getting preoperative testing, which I think it makes your decision tree a lot more straightforward if you know a patient's COVID status. So they've been instrumental at talking to the patients, coordinating their testing, as well as finding out other anesthesia information to help kind of better optimize them for surgery. 
but it absolutely, I think it's affected everything that we do. One thing that I think it's important for other providers, other anesthesiologists to know, there is a wealth of resources and information available at the UAB website from the anesthesia department regarding best practices and donning and doffing videos. So I think it's important because we've all become experts on this in the past few months, something that we didn't know anything about previously. Us all relying on each other is important. I think it's also important to keep thinking and have our eyes on the future as well because this is going to pass and we have been delaying a lot of other surgeries for patients for their own safety because we didn't want to increase the spread of this disease. But as, you know, our social distancing measures have proven to be effective, we have a robust testing system. So eventually we'll get past this epidemic and go to an endemic stage and people will need to get the heart surgery or the hip surgery that they've been delaying. There'll be a time to come and do that. And I think it's important for patients as well as other healthcare workers involved knowing that we've done everything to develop a robust testing strategy, acquire and utilize protective equipment for all of our staff so that when the time comes, people are in good hands and it's our top priority that we do everything in our power to keep both our patients safe as well as the other people, healthcare workers on our team. Thank you so much, Dr. Northern. What great information, so important. Now, thank you for coming on and sharing your expertise at this unprecedented time that we're living in right now. A community physician can refer a patient to UAB Medicine by calling the MIST line at 1-800-UAB-MIST. And that concludes this episode of UAB MedCast. For more information on resources available at UAB Medicine, please visit our website at uabmedicine.org physician. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other UAB podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole.